our rhythms in our walk with God, rhythms spiritually. On the weekends here, the first weekend of every month, we have communion. We emphasize abiding with Jesus 24-7. And then the second weekend of the month, we have elders ready with oil, prayer, because we need to pray for each other and we need God's healing. And then the third weekend, we have blessed videos. And we're reminded that together, we're called to love our neighbors and bless the people around us. And the fourth weekends, we have baptisms and we're celebrating life transformation and what God is doing. And again, we're trying to just keep in step with the Holy Spirit, leading and guiding us. Another key rhythm here is that at the start of the fall, September, early October, we really open up life groups. And life groups are the core of our church. And when you think about life groups... Uh, I try to keep things simple. Uh, what I would say in observing ministry for many years, the people who are the most connected in the church family are in life groups. The people who feel the most cared for and prayed for are in life groups. The people who are growing the most, they're in life groups. And I say, I don't make it overcomplicated, just going back to Jesus and starting with the 12 and that discipleship, that togetherness, that's why we have life groups. We didn't invent them. We just go back to how did Jesus do ministry? And when you think about our church family, it's a big church family, but you can really think about the church in terms of teams. And when people ask, they say, well, how do I get involved in grace? What's the best way to do that? I say, join a life group, you know, get on that team, that community, that family. And then second, find a place to serve because our church is filled with hundreds and hundreds of people who are serving and on teams to serve. And so if you're wondering as you start the fall and you're thinking the fall, it's kind of a new start to the year. What, what's really important in my rhythms? I'd say here at Grace, we really highlight getting in a life group. It's a team in a sense and serving on a team. And that's the best way to connect. And our team's committed to that. We have an amazing team that helps people find the right group, find the right place to serve. You just type in groups, you type in serve, text that to church phone number and joy. Everyone else on the team, they do a wonderful job of coming alongside of us and keeping us together. Amen. Can we give it up for the life group leaders today? We're so thankful for everybody that's leading the life group. Just raise your hand if you are leading a life group. Just to look around. Yeah, lots of hands, lots of people. So if you got questions, just ask one of them about, hey, tell me a little more about life groups too. And they're doing an amazing job of leading groups. We're in 2 Timothy, this series, Empowered, because God empowers us and we also want to empower one another. The theme today is rejecting fear. It comes from a verse God does not give us a spirit of timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. That verse jumps out as a theme to this book. It's also a verse, in our, and it's a passage today that we're going to dive into, rejecting fear. And I'm believing that God is going to set us free from fears in some new ways today. Does that sound good to anybody to be set free from some fears in some new ways today? That's what our God does. That's who he is. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we are a church family who looks out for one another and cares for one another. Thank you for your model Jesus of groups. Thank you for teams. Thank you for so many people that are gifted. And God, sometimes it's fears that really hold us back. And we know you call us, God, to really walk above the fears. And it's because of you, Jesus, we're able to do that. Lead and guide our steps today as we commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1983, 38 prisoners escaped a jailbreak in Northern Ireland. In 1971, 111 prisoners escaped another jailbreak through a tunnel in Uruguay. 
1979 in Iran, over 11,000 prisoners in the largest jailbreak in human history. I believe today we need a jailbreak. We need an escape because followers of Jesus have been trapped in prisons of fear for too long. And the fear comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give us abundant life. Jesus comes to set captives free, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God has freedom today. You don't have to remain in that prison of fear. You can walk out in Jesus' name today. We, we need a jailbreak. We're going to talk about breaking free and three questions that really help us to move forward and break free. The first question How have you been controlled by fear? How are you right now being controlled by fear? 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Many people don't even realize that they're being controlled by fear. But this is what fear wants to do. Fear wants to block your opportunities, block your calling, block your growth. Fear wants to shrink your life. And if you keep saying yes to fear, it'll get a foothold, a stronghold, and it'll shrink and shrink and shrink your life. And you'll rationalize it by saying, well, this is all God has for me, just this. But it's actually that we've said yes to fear that things have shrunk. So how do we respond? Continually, we want to recognize and reject what's not from God. Recognize what's not from God in your life and then reject what's not from God. This word timidity, it also means fear. It also means cowardice. That's what it literally means, cowardice. When you sense that timidity and fear and cowardice in your life, you can declare, this is not coming from God. This is not for me. I'm not going to give it room. I'm not going to be intimidated by it. Timothy was tempted to be timid. And Timothy maybe had a bent towards being shy. And maybe Timothy really wrestled with fear more than other people did. But God uses shy people. God uses people who think, oh, that's too much for me. Because God empowers people like that. And he empowered Timothy. He empowers Paul. After Paul had made so many bad decisions in his life, God empowers us. Let's take a, a look at some verses that tie into Timothy and his situation. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, this is the first letter Paul wrote to Timothy as he was mentoring him. In verse 12, don't let anyone look down upon you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. You might be feeling timid or fearful because of your age. For some people, it's because they feel too young. Other people, it's because they feel too old, but it's linked to age. Also, you might feel timid when people look down upon you. Maybe you've had that tragic and sad experience where people kind of look down upon you because they think you're not as smart, you're not as gifted, you don't look like them, you don't talk like them, so they look down upon you. And when that happens, it's easy to retreat and just think, okay, I'm going to give in to that intimidation. And Timothy was tempted to go that direction. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. Again, Paul's writing to a church family. This is in Corinth. And he's talking here. He says, when Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear. Well, what does that tell us? Timothy is kind of scared about going to Corinth. 
while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace, so that he may return to me, I expecting him along with the other brothers. Paul is looking out for Timothy, who's younger, his protege, starting out in ministry. Timothy might be scared. He's like, Corinth, that's a hot mess. Corinth, there's sin everywhere. Why don't you send me to the Thessalonians? <laughs> no, actually, you're going to the Corinthians, and that place is known for sin and immorality. And how are they going to respond to me? Well, I'm going to add that in the letter. I'm going to make a way. I'm looking out for you, Timothy. And now where is Timothy? He's in Ephesus. He's now been assigned after the second and third missionary journeys together with Paul. Paul has prayerfully and Timothy prayerfully been placed in Ephesus. And he might step into that role thinking, I'm not as experienced. I mean, they've had time with the apostle Paul and now I'm showing up. Do you ever feel like that? My successor, he was this, she was this, and now I'm showing up. And sometimes in our spirit, we feel a little timid, like we start comparing to other people and thinking, I'm only half of the Apostle Paul. I'm going to lead Ephesus. And he's battling with those fears. It's been pointed out that 365 times in the Bible, God says, do not fear. Because we need to be reminded every single day. Because every single day, we start to have fearful thoughts. And instead of rejecting those fearful thoughts, we embrace those fearful thoughts and life begins to shrink. Now, what would Timothy be afraid of? Well, it's the same things that we can be afraid of. Uh, don't be afraid to testify, Timothy. In other words, don't be afraid to speak. Do you ever feel kind of scared to speak? That you might not say the right words and then it might not come out well. It might sound foolish. I don't know. It just doesn't come as natural as some other people. So don't be afraid to testify about your story, about Jesus, about his goodness. Don't be afraid to speak. Well, what else? Don't be afraid, Paul says, to associate with me. Well, Paul was disliked. He was persecuted. If I associate with Paul, they're probably going to dislike me. We wrestle with feeling like people don't like us. We're afraid to not be liked. We're afraid to not be popular and accepted and approved. And because of that, we do this mental gymnastics in our head thinking, how can I get approval? How can I be liked? How can I show myself best? Oh, if I associate with Paul, I don't know if they're going to like me the same way. And he's playing all those games in his mind. Well, what else? Don't be afraid to suffer. And we are, because we're human, sometimes really scared to suffer. Who wants to suffer? Who wants to be in a jail like Paul, who's going to be beheaded shortly after that? Well, don't be afraid to speak. Don't be afraid to be disliked. Don't be afraid to suffer. And we can relate to these same temptations. If you are intimidated in life, you will be less effective. Not as courageous, not as loving, not as bold, not as authentic. You won't speak or lead the same way because you're intimidated. Paul, a friend and mentor, is talking directly into Timothy's life with clarity. And praise God for friends and family who speak directly into our lives with clarity. Because Timothy needed it and we needed it. Timothy, you're going to grow in this area. Timothy, I'm walking with you. Timothy, you're going to overcome. You are going to speak. You are going to lead. You are going to suffer. But Timothy, keep going. 
And we need that voice so we don't stop short of what God has called us to do and the kingdom he wants to build up and the people he wants to empower. We don't want to stop short and retreat and be intimidated. And that's why Paul is encouraging Timothy. You know, sometimes in Christian circles, there's this false humility. And it kind of paints on the outside like, oh, just quiet, just humble. You know, and it, there's a place for being quiet. That, that's a good thing, okay? But I'm talking about when you're actually scared and intimidated on the inside, so then that leads to kind of being reserved and timid, and ultimately, you're just getting ripped off. You're just getting ripped off. And so timidity doesn't come from God. A lot of times when someone's retreating, at the core of it, at the core of it, there's just a lack of confidence in God. At the core of it, it's just really a lack of confidence in God. So Timothy's wrestling with that, and we wrestle with that. Well, when do we feel that? It's when you bring a message that people say is foolishness. That's what they said to Paul and Timothy. Your message is foolishness. When you hear your message is foolishness, you start to get a little more fearful and timid. Well, what else do they hear? Personally, you're a failure. Well, when people tell you you're a failure, you start to get a little more timid. When you have a vision from God and then people try to declare that's not going to happen, you naturally get more timid. And when people are saying failure, you're not that gifted, the vision's not going to happen, this isn't going anywhere, what you're saying is foolish, naturally you want to be quiet in the sound. When you hear all that, you naturally want to retreat and be quiet and think, well, then I better just keep it all to myself. But your calling is not all about yourself. You've got a calling empowered by God. You see, if you're fearful about money, you probably won't be so generous. If you're fearful about what people think of you, you probably won't speak truth. You'll just hold it inside and say it when they're not around. If you're fearful about the results, you probably won't live for God because you're worried and fearful about trying to control certain results. You know, Goliath stood up and he took on God's people and he tried to intimidate them and he got in their head. He got in their head head. And what did he say to David too? Oh, you come at me, your flesh, it's going to be there for the birds to eat and the beasts to come and snack on. That's what I'm going to do to your flesh. And every day for 40 days, he just declared intimidation. The bully declared intimidation and the whole army got scared and retreated. And instead of standing up, the whole army was just sitting back, snacking on cheese. David, you got any more cheese? Just snacking on cheese. Acting like that was what they were called to do. You know, hey everybody, snack on cheese. No, that's an intimidated army for 40 days. 40 days, it's a long time to live in fear. Some of us have been living in fear for 40 weeks. And for some of us, it's been 40 years and it goes back to childhood. And we're thinking about the fears that we embrace then that have been sticking around for decades. The Mariners had a fear to overcome, didn't they? <laughs> 21 years of being told, you can't do it, you don't have the talent, you'll never make it to the playoffs. If the Mariners can overcome, don't you think the people of God could rise up? Don't you think 
I mean, examples coming from everywhere these days in the sound. You say yes to your calling, yes to your role, yes to leading, yes to speaking, yes to dreaming again. Some of you have just thought your best days are behind you. You're going to try to live in the past. It's time to dream again. Your days are not over. And what God wants to do in the kingdom through you, yes, dream again. Yes, listen to the Lord. Say yes to your calling. Say yes to the role God has for you right now. Say yes to relationship risks and unity and using your talents. Do not back down. Do not be intimidated. It's time to line up your head, your heart, and your soul with heaven. Your head, your heart, and your soul, your gifts, line it up with heaven. And what's been holding that alignment back? It's been fear. So get rid of what God does not bring into your life. Fear is not from the Lord. You can have confidence in that based on the word of God. It has no place. And so we shift. Say, well, what's better than fear? Is there something better? The Holy Spirit. Power, God's strength, love, And then a sound mind, also self-discipline, wisdom. Those are all synonyms. Power, love, self-discipline. That's what God's gonna bring into your life through the Holy Spirit. The more you rely, the more you glorify. The more you rely on the Holy Spirit, the more you glorify Jesus. The less you rely on the Holy Spirit, the less you glorify Jesus. So rely on the Holy Spirit. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Remember that place Timothy's a little scared to go to? Paul says, and he models it. He's leading, he's mentoring by example, by his words. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at these verses. He says, I came to you in weakness. He's not saying I came to you altogether. He's not saying I came to you without feelings of being scared. No, he's owning it. I came to you in weakness with great fear. Sometimes in... Christian circles, you feel like you can't be that honest, right? You can't say, I was so scared to do that. That's what Paul says. I was so scared in my calling. I was trembling. Have you ever been trembling, like losing sleep? You just feel like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to go to Corinth? That's what Paul says. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. I just didn't come up with a couple slick phrases and sound bites and think, yeah, now I got this. That's not it. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. It'll be the Spirit's power that brings our church to full vibrancy and overflowing. It'll be the Spirit's power this week at your workplace. It'll be the Spirit's power that transforms the sound. It'll be the Spirit's power that raises up churches across the sound. Places like Corinth that are so dark, it'll be this power of the Holy Spirit that brings his people alive again. Man, woman, younger and older, alive with the Spirit, overcoming fear. That's God's will for us today. No question from Scripture. Go with the Spirit instead of the fear. Go with the spirit instead of the fear. You've got a choice today. You're empowered. Go with the spirit instead of the fear. That's what Paul's saying to build up Timothy and empower Timothy in the strength of the Lord. So let's go a little deeper with the second question. Where do you find victories over fear? Now, this is where Paul, sometimes when he's writing and speaking, he just starts rolling. And verses 8 through 12 are one continual sentence, one continual thought. He just rolls through this because he's, he's really unpacking this victory over fear. Now, first, you got to look at the past and realize God has already 
done a work. Jesus is already victorious through his sacrificial death on the cross and his resurrection. God has already saved you. Your sins are already forgiven. God has already gifted you. God has already called you. God has already gone before you. And all of the alreadys, you just need to let them sink in because that builds confidence in God. And Paul's not ashamed to say, I'm Christ's prisoner. Well, what does that mean, Christ's prisoner? That means that I know I'm in prison, but I belong to Jesus. I'm in prison, but I'm living for Jesus. I'm in prison, but I'm all about Jesus's purposes. I'm in prison, but I'm in alignment with Jesus, his power and trusting him. I'm Christ's prisoner. And he says, well, where are you gonna get this victory over fear? Timothy, you're gonna find the victory in prayer. You're gonna find the victory in praise. You're gonna find the victory in surrender. You're gonna find the victory in the feeling of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna find the victory when you spend time in the word. When you're in Christ and in prayer and in worship and in the word, you're gonna experience something far greater than fear. And you still might feel scared. Those feelings still come, but don't be led by your feelings. Instead, you lead your feelings. And when those feelings come, say, no, I'm not gonna give you too much power. I'm in Christ and I'm in worship, and I'm in the word, and I'm in God's calling, and so I'm gonna keep moving forward. Say, well, isn't there gonna be a cost? Absolutely. Paul doesn't skirt the fact that he's near his death. He's gonna be beheaded. He's not telling Timothy, oh, Timothy, go bold, because there's no cost. (laughs) Just push fear aside. He's not saying, Timothy, that's unrealistic to think you're gonna get killed for the faith. No, actually, that's a reality. That's a reality. Paul's gonna be beheaded. The other 12, except for John, they're martyred. He's not saying that the results are gonna be health and wealth, right? That's not what he's saying. Is Timothy gonna suffer? Yes, he will. Hebrews 13, 23. We get this glimpse. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. Well, the only way you're released is if you've been in prison. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. See, Timothy, what he's saying is, be ready when it's your time to suffer. Be ready, because it's coming. Be ready when it's your time to suffer. Well, how do you get ready? Internally, you already give God that, yes. I'm already committed to Jesus, whatever the cost. If I'm disliked, whatever the cost. If I'm thrown in prison, whatever the cost. If I'm killed, whatever the cost. That's already been decided because Jesus is worthy and he's trustworthy. And because I've decided that, whatever cost, that's gonna come. But if I can trust him with my soul for eternity, I can trust him with this prison. If I can trust him with my soul for eternity, I can trust him for leading the church at Ephesus. If I trust him with my soul for eternity, I can trust him to build up Timothy and build up the next generation. So I'm gonna trust the Lord. David was someone who uh, made a lot of bad decisions, but he learned how to trust the Lord. Read through the Psalms because David is one of the most transparent in the Bible about wrestling with fears and finding victory in the Lord. And what he, if you start to boil some of it down, what he's saying is anyone can come to God thanking God, praising God, seeking God, surrendering to God. That's when you're gonna experience 
God in his presence in the deepest and most powerful way. It's not just because you step into a church. It's with your spirit and your heart. You start to praise him and surrender and trust him and thank him. And when you do that, God's going to move in your life. And he's going to convict you in some areas. He's going to help you grow in some areas. He's going to reassure you. He's going to be there beside you. He's going to build you up. He's going to remind you of his gifts. And so you start to praise God. God starts to work in your life. David experienced this over and over again. And because David had that depth with God, David acted differently in the battle. And today, in the battle that rages in our culture, those who have depth with God are gonna act differently in the battle. There's two things. There's Goliath, that's the giant, and there's the fear of Goliath. See, in your life, there's the fear of, and then there's the actual There it is, that's the item of the person. But the fear of sometimes is greater than the actual object of the fear. And the fear of Goliath is something David overcame before he faced Goliath. The fear of working through that, that's the first victory, that's the major victory. And because David broke through that, he's gonna lead others to break through that. When you break through in this area of fear, you're gonna lead others to break through. You're gonna change the culture. Do you know what it said about that group of trained warriors who were there just shaking in their boots every day? It said after David stepped up against Goliath, do you know what they did? They surged forward. That's what the scripture says. They surged forward. Forward. This group that was retreating, retreating, quiet, scared, one person had depth with God, said, I'm going for it in this battle. I'm trusting the Lord in the name of the Lord Almighty. And everybody else kind of woke up and said, hey, maybe we don't need to live in fear. But fear's normal. But we've been living in fear for 40 days. Well, maybe it's not what God wants. Maybe we're going to wake up. Maybe God has some victories here. I'm telling you, when you break through in your areas of fear, other people are going to see, notice, be encouraged, empowered, and they're going to start to think, maybe I can start to speak up. Maybe I can sing. Maybe I can share. Maybe I can serve. Maybe I don't have to live in fear of what my mom and dad are. Maybe I don't have to just let those old tapes rewind all the time in my head about failure. Maybe I can move past some of that. And you can in Jesus' name. So here's the crux. What do you want to entrust to God today? What do you want to entrust to God today? It says in verse 11, and of the gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. God first entrusts many things to you. He entrusts a life. He entrusts gifts and resources. He entrusts so many things, abilities in your life, knowledge, insights, experiences, wisdom. He entrusts you with so much. And then the question of worship is, well, what are we gonna entrust God with? And when you entrust with God, you're entrusting this and this and this, That's when you own your faith. That's 
when you own your faith. You're not just attending. You're not just watching the Apostle Paul. Timothy, when you entrust, that's when you own your faith. You know, Timothy, you come from a legacy of faith. Your grandma was a a pillar in the church. Your mom, she was praying. She was bold. She overcame a lot of pushback. Lois, Eunice, in the last two generations, Timothy, your family has rocked it for God. So strong. But you know what, Timothy? Now it's your time. Now it's your time to not just talk about Eunice and Lois and the Apostle Paul who mentored me, but now, Timothy, you gotta own your faith. You gotta entrust with God what you've been wrestling with and fearful of. This is your time, Timothy. And in Timothy's heart, there was that space where he just said, I I know what my life's all about. It's to listen to God. It's to be faithful to God. It's to serve God. Courage for God, live for God, glorify God. And the more he's saying that, fear's going down, fear's going down, fear's going down. I'm gonna live for God, I'm gonna live for God in Ephesus, live for God in the prison, I'm gonna live for God if I take a bullet, I'm gonna live for God. That's what my life is about. And the fear is going down, it's going down, it's going down. We all wrestle with insecurity. Just think about David. When he faced Goliath, he could have been insecure. You know, God had prepared him and God has probably prepared you more than you realize. God prepared him as a shepherd. Yes, there were bears, there were animals that came and David took out that sling and he protected the sheep. God had prepared him, but you know what? He had never faced a giant before. He had never faced a Goliath before. He had never faced a giant with so much armor. The the bears that showed up, they didn't have all the the battle armor that Goliath had. He had never been in this kind of battle before with so much on the line. Do you feel that? I've never been in a situation in a role with so much on the line before. I've never stepped up to this level before. Well, nations were in a battle and it was David and Goliath, a representative, and things were gonna go one way or the other. He says, you know, I'm looking at all these trained There's guys that have been, they've had training I've never had. (laughs) This army here, look at all them. They've been in battle so many more than I have, and they're all scared. Maybe I should be scared. Maybe I should be insecure. Maybe Goliath is too big. Maybe I should just eaten out of the fear, the buffet. (laughs) Just everyone else is snacking on fear in the buffet. All these other trained soldiers. Maybe I should be snacking on fear too. Maybe that's what the people of God do. They just snack on fear at the buffet and retreat. Maybe that's what I should be doing too. I mean, it seems like everyone else is doing that. Well, yeah, retreat. Do you not think David was insecure? Uh, We have insecurities. We all do. So the question is, will you entrust with God your insecurities? Will you say, God, here's my insecurity. Here it is, God. This is why I feel insecure. This is the area I feel insecure. God, I'm not gonna cover it up. But what I'm asking is for you to come and move in your power in my weakness, God, that you would bring security in my insecurity and I'd trust you and I'd trust your word in a fresh way. And at the core of this, David gives the battle to the Lord. And Paul, just before he's going to be beheaded, he entrusts with God, God, here's Ephesus, here's my other churches, here's Timothy. God, here's me dying soon and being killed with my head sliced off. God, I'm entrusting you with this. And because Paul does that, Timothy gains strength. Because Paul doesn't just say it, but he lives it and he models it, now Timothy is gonna feel more empowered than ever before. Because Paul 
is learning that it's not just about you living for God, it's about empowering others. And what Paul realizes is that I can be actually most inspiring in the middle of my suffering. I can be most empowering when I'm chained in a cold dungeon. It's gonna be through other people. It's, uh, my race is about to end. I've run this race, but I've got to empower some people before I go see with Jesus, before I go to be with him. I've got to empower some people, and you can empower people from a cold dungeon with chains. When they're getting ready to cut off your head, you can still empower people. He catches the vision of Jesus. And, and I gotta tell you, sometimes as an athlete, as a goalkeeper, I've spent too many years just running the race, running the race without thinking about the importance of empowering other people. And that's what Paul's realizing. And you know what, in prison, he's writing this letter. I trust you, God, with this letter and what to say. I trust you it's gonna get to Timothy. I, I trust you that it's gonna get spread wherever else he entrusted it to God, and God brought it to Grace Community Church. This letter to 2 Timothy from the cold dungeon. You can't say that Paul played it safe. You, you just can't say Paul played it safe. Because Paul didn't play it safe, you, you just can't say Timothy played it safe. You, you just can't. You can't say Timothy played it safe. Can you say that Jesus played it safe? When you look through the life of Jesus, could you conclude, you know what, the Savior, if I had to sum up his life, I would say Jesus played it safe. He was timid and fearful, and he played it safe. I just don't see that. And that's why in this verse, God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but power and love. You know what words don't sound too good on your legacy? We just loved her, we loved him, Woo, consistently throughout life, I gotta say, they played it safe for the Lord. They were kind of intimidated, so they didn't really serve or speak, and they didn't really have a big impact. They didn't really love their neighbors because they played it safe. Have you ever heard that at a funeral or legacy and thought, oh, I'm so inspired. That is just awesome. I just love that place. You know where I really don't want to, when I come before God and I say this, you know, just with a pure desire to honor the Lord, when I come before God, when you come before God, and there's a parable about this, the words that we don't want to come out of our mouths were, God, you sure gave me a lot. And so I played it safe. Played it safe, God. Played it safe. It's like, oh, that kind of convicts. When, when Timothy reads, God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity and cowardice and fear, it kind of convicts. But then it's this good empowering. It's like, you're right, Paul. I don't have to walk around in tiptoes in Ephesus hoping I don't offend anybody and be careful that I don't say Jesus or his word. I don't have to live that way anymore. But I'm coming alive. I'm coming alive because I trust God and I trust his word. And when you entrust to him your gifts, um, you know, we're, we're out of debt right now as a church. Not because we played it safe. Not because we played it safe, but because when God calls you and your name's on it, you go for it. Uh, we have people right now who have stepped up to lead middle school, high school, young adults, uh, stepping up to lead young families right now. There's been a great need in those areas. That's why I'm highlighting them. We're thankful for everyone who serves at every age and date and um, day of the week. But we had a real need in those areas, and we're seeing people step up. A lot of those people are stepping up in those areas right now 
they're doing it with some trembling and just like, oh, could, could God use me here? It's not my comfort zone. I've never done it before. But they're stepping up, not with the spirit of fear because they're not giving fear the final say. When I think about uh, our sewing team, it's like I was looking at, you know, 120 quilts this year, 31 little dresses going to Africa, uh, 54 gifts to kids that are, you know, don't have forever families right now, purses to Zambia. And then I read like in this month in September, 16 quilts to those, those kids uh, who, again, are just waiting to be adopted. 16 quills to them. 34 little dresses going to Sierra Leone this month. Why? Because they're taking their sewing skills and they're saying, instead of me just doing this here by myself in the comfort of my home with my favorite food and my favorite show, what if I got going with God and got together with some other people like to sew? And what if we blessed Africa? What if we blessed kids in the sound who don't have parents right now? What if we went for that? And God's empowering his people. And that's what he's doing in a time like this. So we, we take it to heart, what God's saying. I, I pray as we, um, as we listen to God now, uh, in your spirit, what's God saying to you? The Bible says uh, that there's a voice. Listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. And when he says, this is the way, then you walk in it. When he says to Timothy, this is the way. This is the way, Timothy. Go to Ephesus, lead, speak, suffer. This is the way, this is the way. What is God saying to you? As you search your heart today, where has fear crept in? Where is fear blocking you, shrinking your calling? Are you afraid of failure? Afraid that uh, God's not faithful? Afraid that people are gonna give you a hard time? Afraid you might lose some sleep or some money or some reputation? Does fear have any place in your life? Not today. We're breaking free. God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but power in love. God, we pray for each person here as we pray for each other. God, that we would come alive with your vision, your gifts. God, your voice, your direction. Fill us with the Holy Spirit in our weakness, God, in our frailty, in our fragility, in our fears. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, help us recapture the vision that you spoke. Help us to hear your voice, Jesus, a good shepherd, and trust you. At the core, trust you, have confidence in you. And is God searching your heart right now? Just gonna ask in the last couple weeks, people have been putting their trust in Jesus. If you're here today and you wanna start a relationship with God, just lift up your hand right now. Lift up your hand. If you know that Christ died for your sins, he's risen from the grave. It's by grace, not earned. Just go ahead and, yeah, I see hands. I see hands today. I see hands. People putting their trust in their Jesus for the first time. God, thank you. I see several people in this room with hands up. Thank you that you forgive. Thank you that you're a savior who is faithful. Thank you that you so love the world, God, that whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life, will not perish. Thank you that we can have peace with you. If you're here today and you haven't been water baptized, 
and you're just sensing that's the next step. You've been scared to be baptized in water. Just raise your hand where you are. Raise your hand if you're sensing it's time for you to be baptized in water. Raise your hand and at home too. Father, thank you for those that are ready this month, ready now to be baptized in water, to honor you, to publicly declare their faith. And we thank you, Jesus, in your name.